This is the question I want to ask. How can we say ever that narcissism is an abuse? Of course it is, because if the way someone is treating anyone else is causing such deep, detrimental biological effects in the body and the mind, then it is abuse. Hello, I'm Carla Shoha, and I'm so excited for you that you're here making time for yourself. Welcome to Time to Unlearn, a podcast for all those of you, of us, incredible cycle-breaking humans who are healing from trauma and narcissistic abuse. A journey about understanding who you are and why you are the way you are, and about receiving the support that you deserve to heal your inner wounds, both in the mind and body. On this episode, we're going to discuss what narcissism is, and I'm going to clarify three of the biggest misconceptions around this topic. First of all, I want to clarify the confusion that comes from having two camps, one where people think that everyone who's not nice is called a narcissist, versus the other camp of people who think that you must have an official medical diagnosis to be deemed a narcissist. Secondly, we're going to dispel the myth that all narcissists are those really outgoing, extroverted, loud and in-your-face types of characters who love to be the centre of attention. And lastly, we're going to cover the misconception that narcissism is really not a big problem, downplaying the impact and the consequences it has on people who go through this. And I wanted to do this because just like the word trauma, the word narcissist is very commonly used nowadays, overused. And the result of that is that narcissism is very misunderstood, lots of misconceptions around it. And so this form of abuse gets diminished or even dismissed, which is really not good for the survivors of narcissistic abuse or the people who are being victimized by a narcissist. But first of all, before we start, I want you to remember that you can start to live the life you've always deserved feeling good enough, important, lovable, and worthy. Because you are, and it is possible. Okay, let's get into the episode. Misconception number one. The camp of everyone's a narcissist versus the camp of you're not a narcissist unless you have a diagnosis. Okay, so first of all, let's look at the official definition on Google, (laughs) um, of what narcissism or a narcissist is, which I feel that it creates a lot of this societal misconception around what it actually is. So if we Google narcissism, the definition I got was excessive interest in or admiration of oneself and one's physical appearance. And the synonyms it gives are words like self-love, self-admiration, vanity, self-absorption, self-adulation, and equally so with the word narcissist, it just says the same thing. A person who has an excessive interest in or admiration of themselves. A very simplified and very superficial way of describing this topic and this word. On the other hand, if we go with the camp of, you know, you're not a narcissist unless you have an official medical diagnosis, We look in the DSM-5, which is the up-to-date diagnostic and statistical manual for mental health professional, the diagnostic criteria for deciding whether someone is a narcissist or not. It gives, you know, nine traits and you have to kind of tick five, uh, at least five out of those nine to be able to get that diagnosis. Their definition is this, a preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. A belief 
that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people or institutions. So one of the reasons why I wanted to address this divide that there is between, you know, our understanding in society about narcissism of, you know, everyone's a narcissist. Yes, it's true. We all have narcissistic traits, but it doesn't mean that if someone's not nice, they're a narcissist. Okay, not everyone's a narcissist. And the other side where, you know, you cannot be a narcissist unless you get diagnosis. Well, this is causing so much confusion around this issue because, as we'll see, it's very, very difficult to get a diagnosis. And it's also very, very difficult to identify um, a narcissist for different reasons, which I'll go into. The general understanding of a narcissist is that, you know, they have a healthy level of self-esteem, they're confident individuals, they've got a strong sense of self-worth, or that narcissism is just, you know, excessive self-confidence, it's egotism. Well, I'm afraid it's not as simple as that. It goes much, much beyond being just a bit selfish or being self-centered or being an arrogant person. And also what's really important to understand is that even though a narcissist may appear confident, their behaviors are completely driven by an underlying insecurity, deep, deep sense of insecurity and, and a, a really strong drive and need to constantly validate themselves. And as I said earlier, you know, we all do have narcissistic traits. It's just about, you know, it's a spectrum, right? And, you know, it's, it's about, you know, how much of those narcissistic traits in us form our personality. And the other important element here is to know that narcissists are not born this way. They're actually made by their childhood environment that they're brought up in. The real way to look at narcissism is to understand that narcissism is actually a nervous system defense mechanism, which is used to cover up this deep-seated feeling of inadequacy, insecurity, and extreme low self-esteem again, which stems from adverse experiences in childhood. There is a quote by Vessel van der Kock, who is a renowned psychiatrist and best-selling trauma research author of the book that I highly recommend you read if you haven't done so already, The Body Keeps the Score, that says, narcissistic behaviours, including a lack of empathy and a desire for admiration, are often a result of early childhood experiences of neglect or abuse which lead to the development of a defensive, self-protective personality. Narcissists will often be using things like grandiose behaviours, manipulation, and a false sense of superiority to actually mask how bad they truly feel about themselves. Their falsified self-image is literally like a protective shield for themselves. Now that we understand this, I want to cover the second misconception, which is that all narcissists are the same, okay? When we hear the word narcissist or think of a narcissist, most people will think of the same kind of person, someone who's always loud, outgoing, boastful. But this is actually wrong because not all narcissists are made the same. Some are actually introverted and may appear shy or even reserved. A key characteristic of narcissism that applies to all narcissists is that excessive preoccupation with themselves, but it does manifest in various ways. Number one, a grandiose sense of self-importance. A key characteristic of narcissism is that excessive preoccupation with themselves, but it does manifest in different ways. It can be in a grandiose way, 
you know, the, an inflated sense of their own self-importance and a belief that they're actually special or unique in some way, a lack of empathy. Narcissists literally don't recognize or care about other people's feelings. They are indifferent, callous to the needs of others, full stop. And that's because their brain development was actually impaired by their adverse experiences in childhood. So the empathic center of their brain didn't develop as it should have. Then there's the need of their need for admiration. You know, they literally crave attention and praise from others because they need that validation that they are special, that they are unique. And it's they see it as other people's uh, job to show them how amazing they are. And if they don't receive the admiration that they believe they deserve, they become very upset and angry. And that ties in with their sense of entitlement. They literally feel entitled to receive special treatment. And again, when they don't receive it, they can become very angry or upset with you. They have exploitative behaviors. They just literally take advantage of others to get what they want without regard for the harm that they may cause you. They literally see human beings as tools for them to use to serve their purposes to get their needs met. Envy and jealousy, very typical. The narcissist can feel very jealous of other people because they believe that they are deserving of the things that you have or that others have. And then there's that arrogance and kind of haughtiness, that sense of superiority over other people. They're conceited and they will belittle and dismiss those that they perceive as being beneath them. And there are different ways of categorizing narcissists. Some researchers and some clinicians will use different terminology and definitions. But the common types of narcissists that are more commonly talked about are, number one, the grandiose narcissist. This is basically the classic narc that you would think of, that most people think of when they think of a narcissist. An exhibitionistic kind of person, very in your face, extroverted, someone that loves being the center of attention, you know, has that inflated self of self-importance and, you know, feels entitled to special treatment. All of the classic traits that you would think of when you think of a narcissist. But then there are also the vulnerable narcissists. Basically, the opposite, the direct opposite to a grandiose narcissist. They hate being center of attention. They are introverted. They appear fragile and sensitive. They can be anxious and appear quite shy on the surface. And those are the kind of narcissists that are very, very easily offended or hurt by criticism. Basically, you can think of the vulnerable narcissist as a closet narcissist. And there are also communal narcissists. They are those kind of do-gooders. They appear selfless and altruistic, generous, very dedicated to you know community causes. And they do this to literally elevate their own status and feel superior to others and to get the validation that they need. And then there are um, another two types that are probably the most toxic and dangerous types. The malignant narcissist, who basically engages in extreme forms of manipulation, gaslighting, and many other abusive behaviors. They have this sadistic streak. They literally get pleasure from causing you and other people pain or distress, bordering on sociopathic and psychopathic. And then the covert narcissist, you know, that's the narcissist that has two faces. They do their abuse very, very subtly behind closed doors. They can be passive aggressive. And, you know, the problem with this kind of narcissist is that it's very, very difficult for the victim because of this persona that they display to the outside world. The victim is usually not believed. And the covert narcissist is actually a subtype of the vulnerable narcissist, which the subtypes basically describe the the hidden ways in which they get their needs met, you know, as I said, subtly behind closed doors in this case. 
And there are actually f- further five subtypes of narcissists, which, you know, make us understand, you know, about their behaviors and how they get their needs met, which can be very different, which is normally based on their values, which are individual to the narcissist. And there's lots of similarities then when we explore those subtypes to sociopaths and psychopaths. And do let me know if you're interested in, you know, knowing more details about all the different types of narcissists. There's 10. Um, I will do an episode. Let me know in the comments or drop me an email and I will definitely do an episode, you know, going into further detail about each type. But this is, you know, one of the reasons why it's so, so difficult to identify a narcissist because they are all different. They're not all the same. And with regards to the camp of people that think, you know, you can't be a narcissist or you can't deem someone a narcissist unless you have a diagnosis. Well, that's really, really difficult. It's very tricky because the very nature of a narcissist means that they don't think there is anything ever wrong with them. They don't see any fault in themselves. They never look in the mirror and have the capability of introspection. So they will never be the person that goes, "Mm, maybe I could improve here, or maybe I need help. Maybe I need to go to the, you know, doctor or psychiatrist to get assessed. It's very, very rare for a narcissist to have an official medical diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder, because the very very nature of a narcissist means that they very rarely um, go to the extent of going to the psychiatrist to be assessed. And normally if they do, it's actually just to show other people that they are humble and they're trying. The last part um, that I want to address in, in this episode is that narcissism is a huge problem. For some people, when you are in a relationship with a narcissist, whether it's a romantic partner or a friend or co-worker, a boss, a family member, it is actually abuse. It's insidious abuse. It is trauma. And, you know, now we understand that narcissists are not born that way and that they are made by their upbringing environment and that they're very, very, probably the most wounded individuals that there are. But understanding this doesn't actually excuse their their behavior. You know, abuse is abuse and narcissistic abuse is so insidious because it's an it's, it's a it's a kind of abuse that happens on multiple levels and it's repeated and it's mental, it's emotional, it's psychological it can be financial, it can be coercive control. And then sometimes it also gets physical. It's gaslighting, manipulation, and this continuous forms of abuse that happening to you over a long period of time. And sometimes for a long time, they go, they're so subtle, they go undetected. And then what happens is that because we, we don't acknowledge that narcissism is abuse, the victims, the people that are being victimized by the narcissist end up feeling so much shame And it actually stops them from accepting for themselves that they're being abused. And it creates so much isolation, which perpetuates the cycle of abuse for them and it gets them stuck. And high stress levels, you know, when you are in a narcissistic abusive relationship means that you are, your your stress hormones are literally flooding your body all the time. And it gets stuck as trauma because, you know, it's so much all the time and it affects your nervous system. It gets your nervous system literally gets stuck into this survival response because the brain is constantly having a perception of danger and eventually life threat. And you get stuck in worry or you dissociate and it has really long-term effects on your brain, you know, on your brain physiology. It literally changes some of the parts of your brain, your cognitive function and your nervous system. It goes into either hyperarousal or hypoarousal, which means that you are either constantly on edge or shut down feeling depressed and hopeless and helpless. 
you know, literally, you know, being going through narcissistic abuse damages, for example, the hippocampus in our brain, which is that part of the brain that's responsible for memory and learning and concentration and focus. And then we feel overwhelmed. You know, we lose our memory. We get become forgetful, clumsy. We become absent, detached from ourselves, literally. And we feel completely lost, helpless and hopeless because stuck stress in the body is trauma. And when it's left unprocessed, as we said in the previous episode, you know, when it's when you don't heal trauma, it just snowballs and it affects how you are, how safe you feel to be yourself, you know, it affects how you behave. It makes you unable to literally function from a, a place of true self in self-leadership. And then it just snowballs into this, you know, developing into chronic stress, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, or even worse, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Because your your system, your nervous system, your, your protection system, it remains constantly activated over a long time. And it literally then leads to a range of physical symptoms such as headaches, digestive issues, muscle tension, fatigue, you know, absolutely exhausting physical symptoms as well, as well as psychological symptoms like, you know, being constantly on edge, that hypervigilance, you know, feeling constantly rushed or jumpy or tense, like something bad is about to happen all the time. And then you suffer with emotional dysregulation. You feel like you're out of control in terms of, you know, how to deal with your own emotions. You have like bursts of explosive anger or you burst out crying and are tearful or you feel absolutely numb and dissociated and depressed. Now, this is the question I want to ask. How can we say ever that narcissism is an abuse? Of course it is, because if the way someone is treating anyone else is causing such deep detrimental biological effects in the body and the mind, if it's having a, a really profound impact on the nervous system, which it does, then it is abuse. And it's only once we recognize it as abuse and trauma that we can actually help people and people can help themselves to start healing their nervous system. The positive thing here is to remember that neuroscience research shows that post-traumatic growth, post-narcissistic abuse or trauma is actually possible, thankfully, due to the brain's neuroplasticity. And it's really, really important that if you recognize yourself in terms of having been victimized by a narcissist or having been through narcissistic abuse trauma, that you do get professional support to address and heal the effects of this abuse because, you know, both on your physical and your emotional well-being. Peter Levine, who is uh, a trauma expert and the author of Waking the Tiger, uh, a book on healing from narcissistic abuse trauma, who's also a PhD in biophysics and psychology, and he's the one that developed somatic experiencing, an incredible neurobiological approach to healing trauma, which he's developed over the, over the past 50 years. And I want to share a quote from him, which to me uh, really highlights the somatic and healing journey that I've been on to heal from narcissistic abuse um, and my trauma, and that I think encompasses the, the importance of it. It says... Recovery is a process of regaining the natural rhythm and flow that was interrupted by the traumatic event. It involves learning to inhabit your body fully again, to feel your sensations and emotions without fear, and to re-establish a sense of balance and harmony in your life. 
So I hope that after listening to this podcast, you understand that narcissism is a complex personality disorder that goes way beyond just being a selfish or self-centered or arrogant person. And it is characterized by a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, lack of empathy for others, and a need, a desperate need for admiration and attention. And remember, there are 10 types of narcissists, not, not all narcissists are the same. And, you know, we don't need necessarily a medical diagnosis to identify that someone is a narcissist because that's very, very rare to get. And please remember, whether you've been through it or you know someone ha who has been, it is abuse. It does cause trauma and you deserve support to heal your nervous system somatically. Okay, let's take a deep breath in together now and let all of that sink in. Whether you're at home or on the go, thank you for listening. I appreciate you so much because your own healing is healing for the world. If you find this show helpful, please hit that follow or subscribe button. It absolutely does wonders for the show because more people can find time to unlearn organically, which means that you're helping me in my mission to reach as many people as we can to help them heal. And all of us together, we create a huge ripple effect of healing into the world. And what else is better than that? If you have any questions about anything we've talked about, please drop me a line at podcast at carlashohut.com. I read every email I get and whether you have an idea or a suggestion for a new episode, a guest recommendation, or just a simple note to let me know how the show has impacted you, I always love to hear from you. I'm Carla Shohat and I'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>